Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Hello and welcome to Musicals with Cheese. In this very special bonus episode, I am joined by composer, lyricist, and many other things, Adam Wachter, who you might know from his musical Terrytown, the forthcoming encore on Disney+, Plus, or his most important appearance, a past guest on Musicals with Cheese. <laughs> very <laughs> Thank important. You. It's the highlight Thank you. of my uh, resume, Musicals with is it in your book like you just have it in there like oh this is something i was involved in i tell everyone i meet so i shake their hand and i say my name's adam i was once a guest on musicals with cheese we talked about merrily we roll along oh i forgot to pick a cheese for hello dolly i have to do that don't no spoilers dude Oh, sorry, sorry. I didn't know which order. Is this coming out before? Do people listen to this before the the episode? I don't know. This this will be all over the place. So you'll you can cut all you, this out. you'll cut see all where. This out. No, no, it's all staying in. <laughs> but no. Oh, no. Thank you for joining on with us, Adam. And really, yes. I just want you to give an introduction to yourself. Give an artist statement to those listening. Oh, who Jesus. you are, what you stand for, and all that. Well, <laughs> I don't know. You got know. this. I believe in you. Oh, my God. I'm Adam Walker, And uh, yeah, I'm sort of a jack of all trades, I guess. And I just do lots of things with musical theater. And I always have. And I just <laughs> love it. And I stand for motherhood, America, and the heartland for orphans. I have to sing Hello, Dolly songs. That's what we're going to talk about he later. He has to. Um, well, if you say, what do you stand for? Of course, I'm going to sing a Hello, Dolly song. I mean, it I literally you starts you, with you I knock stand them down. for. That's right. That's how this works. Um, yeah. So, I, well, I was mu- I, what am a music director. You know, primarily I've done that mostly. And I write musicals and I've written films and film scores also. And now at the moment, I'm on the musical theater faculty at Point Park University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And that's... Uh, what I'm up to, and I'm and I'm on a TV show called Encore on Disney Plus, November twelfth. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it, really. What else? What, do you want to what know? career do you prefer to be involved in? Do you prefer being um, a teacher, or do you prefer being a huge TV star? 
Well, I would prefer being a huge TV star were I actually one of those, which I'm not. Uh, I, do you know what really, I really like that I get to do a little bit of all of it. I think I, if I were just really doing one thing, I don't, I think I would be bored. You know what I mean? Like I like teaching, but if I were just teaching, I would get sick of it. And if I were just music directing over and over, I would get sick of that. If I were just writing musicals, like, you know, I would need to emerge from my computer one day. So I would get sick of that too. I like that. I like that I do it all. And I think partly that can be a hindrance in a career. There are people who are really successful because they do one thing and they do it so well. But, you know, we got to live our lives and I enjoy my life sort of doing a little of everything. Mm-hmm. So you're from the millennial generation, right? Just like trying to get as Bare- much information. Barely, barely from the millennial <laughs> generation. I'm a little too old, I think, to officially be considered a millennial, but but close. You're close. What so, is the, so what's we're the like, cutoff? What's the cutoff I, for a millennial? 1979 is the start of millennials. Is it really? What happened to yes. Generation X? Um, they're they're seventies and above, but if you're born in nineteen late nineteen seventy nine, early nineteen eighty, and that goes up until nineteen ninety six, and that's millennial. Oh, then I guess yeah, I am a millennial. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought there were all and, these generation. What happened to Generation Y? Who are they? What I happened know. to Generation just... um, Next? Like the Spice Girls sang about in the Pepsi commercials. <laughs> Which one was the best generation that Michael Jackson always talked about? The beat generation, I think. No, that's uh-huh. a joke. That was sort of a joke on too many levels to actually be funny because it was sort of about <laughs> beat poets, which makes no sense. But also he had a song called Beat It. And it was operating on too many levels and uh, no one will laugh. Well, I'm laughing now that you explained it. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> the best jokes are the ones you have to explain. That's how the adage goes, I think. Yes, yes. I 100% <laughs> agree. But now I've got a question about your relationship with musical theater. Um, basically, how do you describe your relationship with musical theater? What are your favorite musicals of all time? And really, what made you drive to be like, that's what I'm going to do? Oh, God. My relationship with musical theater is very much, uh, I'm the bottom, for sure. Um, but are you a power I bottom? Thought that, I thought that would get more of a laugh. Oh, you were continuing the joke and I fucked it up. Start over. Cut that out. <laughs> Cut that out of the episode. Uh, no, I am not. Only for musical theater. Um, what is my... I, yeah, I don't know anything else but musicals. I started at a very early age. My parents um, would take me to see local shows. I grew up in a small town in western Michigan called Holland. And um, we have a tulip festival every year, and that's about it. A lot of Christians. So... Yeah, but they would take me to musicals and I got cast recordings on cassette tapes. My grandparents lived in Cleveland, so we would do a lot of long drives to and from Cleveland and we would listen to cassette tapes of musicals, all the big ones from the 80s, um, The Phantoms and Cats, Les Mis, all that kind of stuff. Guys and Dolls, my dad loved Guys and Dolls. And um, and then, you know, they like would tape, they taped things off PBS for me, Into the Woods all the, all the sort of shows and I, I don't know what it, there's something, you know, it's just that gay gene that just is drawn to musical theater and I very much had it. And then I started doing shows like acting in them as a kid locally and in high school and middle school and things and going to theater camp in the summer and you know, all the shit you do really. And then I went to the university of Michigan and um, was actually a theater arts major there 
but worked on the musicals a lot and played piano for them uh, and did some arranging and things there. I was doing summer theater at the same time. Then I moved to New York and worked for a bit in a talent agency and then a producer's office and then got fired and um, had to pay my rent and I could play the piano. And I went to a friend who is a casting director for Broadway and said, I need to make some money. Can I play auditions? And I started playing auditions and everything kind of snowballed from there. I started getting work as a music director, kind of learned everything on the job, started writing, went to grad school. Here I am. I don't know. It's a weird sort of trajectory. I don't think it's super typical, but I don't know that there is a really typical trajectory in this business, especially sort of on the creative side of it. I think everyone's path is really different, but that's, that's really is sort of all I've ever done, which is sort of sad because I do like other things, but <laughs> the only thing that's ever made me money has been musical theater. You can like other things that aren't musical theater. Like, what do you like? Well, <laughs> There's other things in the world. I like traveling. I really um, love home improvement. I've randomly, I'm really good with like power tools and I've renovated. Oh, I thought you meant the Tim Allen TV show. I was like, you're just really, that's like a life thing. That's all I'm into. The Tim (laughs) Allen TV show. No actual home improvement. Home renovations. I've renovated an apartment in New York. I've done a house now in Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know. I watch TV and I just hang out and do things. But yeah, it's a lot of musicals now that you mention it. All right. So that that what were your favorites growing up? And like, we all have a childhood favorite and an adult favorite. Mm-hmm. Did it was mm-hmm. there a change in that or are they still the same thing? Um, well, there's been a change because obviously new musicals have been written since I was a child. One of my all-time favorites is Carolina Change, and that didn't exist mm-hmm. until 2003, I think it was. Uh, 2004 on Broadway. 2004 Tony Awards. Um, as a child, I loved Andrew Lloyd Webber and Bublil and Schoenberg, you know, all mm-hmm. Les Mis and Miss Saigon and Joseph and all the big ones. I didn't really know. Yeah, yeah. The stuff that we all, you know, think we love. And and we do still to an extent. Um, Secret Garden. I was very into Secret Garden and then did it like in summer stock as a kid. Um, uh, And then, you know, in high school, sort of started exploring my love for Sondheim. Already knew Into the Woods, but really got into the rest of the Sondheim catalog. And And then Rent came out and it was all, you know... It was all downhill from there. Not really. I, you know, I was a redhead. I was a crazy redhead in high school, like a lot of gays were at that time. And, and that was sort of what I ate, breathed, and drank. I don't know what the third thing is. Uh, yeah, rent, and then more stuff as it came out. And then there was sort of a transition, I guess, like in my twenties when I stopped being a fan at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and really became a professional about it. And now I can look at musicals very objectively and from a sort of scholarly, I guess, point of view, um, which doesn't diminish my love for them. Oh, oh, and Hello, Dolly, which we'll talk about. But Hello, Dolly, I was obsessed with as a middle schooler. And I saw Carol Channing uh, in the national tour of that in 1994, I believe, when it came to Grand Rapids, Michigan. And that was a huge point in my life as well. And I still love that show. 
All right. And now this question is more like a theater nerd question, which I wouldn't usually Ooh. ask if you were just like a composer to me, but I know you're a nerd. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. the question is, what do you think is the most underrated musical theater song? It doesn't even have to be from a particularly great piece, but just a song that you think should get more attention. Oh my God. I don't know. Yeah, I needed a little warning for that question because I'd have to go through <laughs> them all and like figure it out. <laughs> underrated. Well, I feel like Sondheim is off the table because there's nothing underrated about Sondheim. Like, you know, he's certainly celebrated. I think a lot of the classics are really appreciated and celebrated. So it sort of takes off like Cole Porter and Rogers and Hammerstein and Frank Lesser and all those things. Oh, my God. Underrated song. I don't know. There's a lot. Underrated. What was the first one that came to your head when you heard the question? Nothing has come to my head. I'm being completely honest. Oh, wow. I, I, I'm not. There's so many songs. If you had said score or something, maybe okay, I would we'll sort of have a there. fighting chance. Oh, damn it. I know. <laughs> I guess I... Um, oh, okay. Well, I don't know about most underrated, but I think there's a lot of underrated scores... Um, out there i think a lot of michael john lacuse's stuff uh is underrated because i think his work is so dense that um it it just demands multiple listens and unless you give it that uh then you can't even begin to appreciate it so i think if you're looking at sort of um bernarda alba or First Lady Sweet, or yes, see what I want to see. Any of his? Actually, yeah. my answer was going to be from First Lady Sweet, so that's funny. Oh, really? What's your underrated song? Um, the entire Laura Bush and Barbara Bush oh, scene, sure. No Tears. I just sob yeah. like anytime that comes yeah. up on my phone. I'm just like, oh my god, I'm giving a fuck about the Bushes. No, <laughs> no, totally. I mean, he's a, he's really a master. I think the Queen of the Mist. I saw Queen of the Mist. Um, in New York. I think I saw the invited dress actually. It was so blown away. And then I got to see it again recently in London um, with a very different sort of much younger cast and a very, but it still really held up and was just stunning. And there's just moments in that musically that are gorgeous. You know who else is, I think weirdly underrated is Scott Frankel and his stuff with Michael Corey. I think the war paint score um, I'm a little biased because I uh, played keyboards for it in New York. And so I got to know it very intimately, but that to me is just like a staggering accomplishment of musical theater writing. Um, Grey Gardens, well, Grey Gardens isn't underrated because I think everyone sort of knows how good that is, but it's sort of far from heaven and thing, lesser things of theirs that, that aren't lesser in their um, composition or in their craft, but are lesser known. I, you know, he's a genius. They're geniuses. He's literally a genius. Have you ever read um, Far From the Tree by any chance? I have not. Far From the Tree is this great book um, about children who are born different from their parents. And every chapter is like a very different sort of take on that. You know, kids who are born gay to straight parents or kids who grow up to be psychopathic criminals to perfectly normal parents. It really runs the gamut. And But, but in the chapter on um, kids who are born geniuses, Scott Frankel is one of the examples. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah, insane. he's like an actual genius. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, well, I don't know what we're well, talking about anymore. Oh, underrated song. Of musical I'm genius. Um, that's fine. Uh -oh. We can move. You gave a perfectly good answer. Um, I think that Thank was you. you explained it very well. Strive to be perfectly good. 
You are perfectly good. So I'm very curious. Like I am, I started off this weird relationship you and I have as just a fan of your work as a musical theater composer. I think which I have to ask you, how did you even discover that? Like, how do you even know that I am one? Like, no one knows that. You know what I mean? Um, I feel like no, like it's. I've got very little work out there, and I don't sort of publicize it. So how did you even find it? I'm so curious. Well, what I do, and something I do very often, is. I just go to the musical theater section of Apple Music or SoundCloud or whatever, and I just throw it on shuffle. And if there's something I like, I click on the album and start it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And there was something of mine on there? Yeah, um, I was on SoundCloud, and then Terrytown popped up. And yeah. oh, I think it was like the story of Sleepy Hollow, the Ichabod Crane story uh-huh, um, told uh-huh. by Braun. And I'm like, ooh. Oh, and I was like, sorry from the beginning. I'm like, I'm into this. Like, this is pretty great. Your, like the the demo recording with Jeremy Jordan, that one. I be- I believe oh, so. It like it's whatever one, one is on looks- SoundCloud currently. Oh, I don't even know. I'm so bad at all of this. I need to like publicize my shit more. The whole yeah, um, I think this- the whole demo is on SoundCloud. If that's a demo, like I'm still very impressed by that, and I um, it looks like a demo. Yeah, yeah. Well, there isn't like anything else, so it must be. But there's a couple older demos that I wondered if we're still. Yeah, it's Andy Mantis and Jeremy Jordan and Krista Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah. So that's like the the new demo that I did last summer to sort of try to sell it, but then nobody bought it. So there you go. If anyone wants, if anyone's listening to this and wants to produce a really great small three person musical, I've got one available for you. Honestly, I have sincerely thought about like, man, I just kind of want to take like a song or two and just film it because I think it's great. <laughs> Do it, please. Mm-hmm. Well, then it's finding people that can live up to the voices of Jeremy Jordan and Kristen Rodriguez and Andy just, Mientos. Just find, just have people lip sync. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> Back to the question that started before we took this tangent off to the world of Terrytown. Um, Who would you describe as your biggest inspirations in your musical theater composition and lyric work? Um, Well, lyrically, Sondheim, of course, you know, the master. I love internal rhymes. I love unexpected rhymes. I love always having perfect rhymes. Um, Yeah, that's the way to do it. You know, why... If you're going to emulate someone, you know, go for the best. And he really is the best uh, in terms of, you know, that sort of talky and psychological sort of, it's very contemporary what he does, even though he's been doing it for so long. It really, that's a lyrically, like, obviously that's the big one. Um, Musically, I don't, I don't know. I guess it's just everybody that I've ever listened to filtered through me and it's a little of everything i don't there's certainly some sondheim stuff in there there's also i think some really like melodic you know jerry harmony stuff somewhere in there maury yeston springs to mind and some of like the piano figures and things um yeah i don't know if there's one like inspiration i think it's just a lifetime of listening to musicals boiled down and filtered through my own sort of taste and style and that's what you get it's not you know i don't write sort of poppy stuff i don't think i don't do a lot of like stuff that sounds like stuff on the radio it's all very much in a musical theater world because that's what i listen to and what i've studied so 
That's not to say I don't think like I could do write a, a bunch song. of belty stuff either, like which I kind of like because I'm kind of mm. belted out, belted out yeah. from like <laughs> belted out. ever since let it let it go came out. I've been like belted out, so I'm like, just give me some like nice, pretty tunes, please. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I don't know. It's all about sort of what the moment in the musical demands, and that's the big difference in writing musicals versus some of these contemporary musical theater writers, as they call themselves, who write songs. I think when you write a musical and you're writing for character and for plot, um, you come off with a very different sort of product because it's not just about, I'm going to write this song and a girl's going to belt as high as she possibly can at the end of it. And so I know everyone's going to sing it in their cabarets and for their auditions but then, you know, sometimes you hear those songs and you fall in love with them and then you go see the musicals they're from and you're like, wait a minute, this is garbage. What's happening? This has nothing to do with anything. So <laughs> I think the best musical theater songs are derived from character and plot and uh, and usually sort of inextricable from those things. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't I, I don't. When I go into writing a song, I don't usually think like, okay, I'm going to write this style of song. I usually am at a point in a plot in a musical I'm working on, and I'm thinking, what's, what do I need here in this plot? What comes next in this musical? And I write that. I, I think that's great. And the reason why I asked this is because <laughs> I, I couldn't place my finger on like inspirations for you either. Oh, good. <laughs> Which is like... One of those, there's some composers out there, and I'm not going to name names, but name you can the definitely names. Tell. Come on. No, I'm kidding. Well, the ones I'm thinking of specifically are um, other U of M grads that I've um, done, forgot the name of. <laughs> um, the Dear Evan Hansen guys and the Greatest Ask Showman and Paul, guys. And yeah. Pace oh, yes. and Paul. Yeah. I can hear their influences very heavily. <laughs> really? See, I feel yes. like they have a really. Um, I mean, I can, you can see that they were influenced certainly by like pop and stuff. I do. I don't know. I, I can, I feel like they do. They have created a really unique sound that does sound like contemporary musical theater. But certainly when I hear like a Pascal Paul song, I know it. And I think that's one of the hardest things to find in writing. It's like your unique voice. So even though maybe it's not always unique, certainly certain songs of theirs, you can tell were inspired by maybe something on the radio now and then. Right. They, you know, they've, they've found a niche for themselves and Lord knows they've been successful at it. So good for them. And but they then write you the musicals. Like... Jared Hansen is brilliant. So there you go. Mm -hmm. But then you also have folks like Brian Yorkie and Tom Kitt, where I don't know where to put them anymore. They, they've not been consistent enough for me to figure out what their style is. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? I, for, I, I sometimes forget about them, but I think they are so good. I mean, I think Tom Kitt is one of the all-time great musicians of our generation, and I think he does so much work sometimes behind the scenes, as opposed to just writing and writing and writing, that we sort of can lose um, sight of how good he is. But his stuff really, I think, all stems from a pop mentality and from listening to stuff on the radio, you know, especially, obviously, like High Fidelity and Next to Normal and things that are really pop-based. You just hear how how influenced he is by playing in bands and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I know someone else who I'd put in that very similar category and a friend of the show that I think is very underrated is Paul Gordon. Oh, yeah. He writes beautiful little melodies, too, and they're very poppy, but also mm -hmm. very musical theater and sometimes very operatic in a way, too. 
Yeah, um, gorgeous stuff. Gosh, I think his Jane Eyre musical is absolutely incredible. Incredible. Like, I saw it. I was in high school and I went to New York and my sister and I went to TKTS and we got a ticket and we saw Jane Eyre. And it was gorgeous, stunning. That, that, that musical deserves so much more attention and so much more respect. And mm-hmm. I love what he's doing for like musical theater now. Like he started its own like musical theater like recording and streaming platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which, he's like filming things and he's experimenting with the form, which I think is super cool. Good guy, good guy. All right, next talk. Um, we're going back to Terrytown t- again. Okay. <laughs> All right. So tell me the story about how this show came up. What made you think Legend of Sleepy Hollow? This is where I'm taking that. <laughs> um. Uh, true story. I was up one night uh, watching TV, as I am wont to do, and a made-for-TV movie version of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow came on. It is um, You can still find it somewhere. I haven't seen it since, but it stars... Oh, damn it. I always forget his name. Um, you know, the original Leo Frank in Parade. What the hell's his name? Brent... Brent Carver. Um, Yes, Brent Carver, thank you. Jesus. Uh, it stars Brent Carver, Isaacabod Crane, and it's That's a very perfect. straightforward adaptation of Legend of Sleepy Hollow. It's, you know, it's, it's not set in the current day or anything. It's very straightforward, sort of by the book. Um, but he's like a little sort of fae in it, I would say. Like, just mm-hmm. like a little touch of the gay <laughs> somewhere in there. And um, just watching it, I already sort of knew the story because we all sort of grew up with it, I guess, like that Disney cartoon version and things. But I was watching it and I was just like, huh, here's this like probably gay outsider music teacher coming to this town. This would be a good musical. And I had sort of entertained the idea of writing one, but I hadn't done one yet. It was the first musical I ever wrote start to finish, you know, completely. I'd written little songs for cabarets and web series and things, but I hadn't written a musical. And uh, I mean, this was many, we were talking like 10 years ago at this point or more. Um, and it was that, it was that like, oh, okay, wait, gay, sleepy hollow, present day. This will make sense. This story is, was maybe always about that. It's about this outsider guy and uh, this community that doesn't welcome him because he's different than they are. And having come from a very small town myself and being for many years, the only out gay person in this town and the only Jew for a long time as well. It was, I was very familiar with this like outsider mentality and I thought that's going to make a good musical. And um, it just sort of snowballed from there. And I stayed sort of true to the structure of Washington Irving's original story, but obviously updated. And then the characters at some point sort of began speaking as themselves and different things started happening in the plot and it became kind of its own little thing. And thank God for that. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Are there any big plans for it in the future that you would like to see? No, there are no plans at all. I wish there were some, you know, it, I don't know. It had a weird, it's, it, it's had like a, I'm really bad about getting it out there and it's hard. And um, it had a production in San Diego at this uh, great little theater there called Backyard Renaissance. And it was reviewed really well. And it won sort of their local, like their San Diego Tony for best musical. And um, on the strength of that, I did this reading last summer um, at MCC Theater in New York that Jeremy and Andy and Krista did. And Michael Arden directed that. And uh, MCC passed on the project because it wasn't sort of right for their season, I think. 
And that's, and then I came to Pittsburgh and started teaching and got distracted and did encore and all these other things. So right now it is languishing on my hard drive, but, um, I should be sending it to more people. I need to be better about doing that. You know, it's hard. You, I don't, I also don't want to like try to keep forcing the issue. Like if it's not, you know, if it's not going to take off, then I sort of feel like I owe it to myself to kind of move on and write something else, which I have started doing a couple other things and you know, it is what it is. And maybe one day someone will stumble upon it on SoundCloud and give it another shot. <laughs> well, my next question is about the film that you wrote, Sign. Um, mm-hmm. You and Ad- Andrew Keaton Bulger. I'm going to mess Bulger, up. Yeah. Bulger, yeah. Bulger. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> Andrew it's Keaton hard. It's Bulger. It's a lot of syllables. Andrew it Keaton is. Bulger. And I get the same way with his sister. Like, it's the worst. Yeah. You can just say AKB. We'll know who you're talking about. <laughs> you and him worked together on a film called Sign. How did that come about, and what was your experience working on that? Because it seems a little different from everything else you've done. Yeah, it's super different from anything else I've done. Um, it's a movie for one, which I don't often do. It's not a musical, although it is very musical. Um, it came about because Andrew and I have been friends for a long time. We went to college together, and we wanted to do something together. We wanted to collaborate. He had actually directed a couple readings of Terrytown like really early on, just like private little table reads and things. Um, and we were sitting around one day and I think he, I can't remember exactly when this was, but I think he was either like about to leave town or about to start rehearsals for Tuck Everlasting or something. And I had a month off or I don't know. We were both, we both had like a few weeks of free time, which is sort of rare. And uh, we wanted to make something. And he is a beautiful photographer and cinematographer and director. And um, we were like, let's make a short film. Let's do that. He had made a web, a really successful web series called Submissions Only. Um, so he sort of was looking to do more of that kind of behind the camera stuff. And I was looking to just write something different. And we said, let's make a short film. Um, and, and that was, that was, it was literally just the two of us being like, let's do this now. And we didn't have any money. We didn't, we, we never got any money. We did a, a fundraiser after we shot it just to pay for some post-production costs and to pay for some um, submission fees to film festivals because that's not free. Um, but we really shot it for nothing. Uh, and we just wrote this little film and it was this idea of can we make, A, a we, we really wanted to play with um, sort of the, the uh, uh, corollaries between kind of gayness and deafness and we wanted to use our deaf friends in the theater industry in New York and um, work with them and show them off and give them, you know, a, a, a voice in a way, because we, we didn't know of any sort of gay deaf productions of any kind, theatrical or film or TV or any, anything. So we wanted to do that. So I, I wrote a script, a screenplay, and uh, we shot it. <laughs> and then I scored it. And that was it. And then it sort of took off. And we went all over the world showing it at um, festivals and things like that. And now it's distributed um, here in America, somewhere on some kind of gay web channel that I forget the name of, which is terrible. <laughs> and then also in Europe, um, it's part of the Boys on Film DVD series there. Yeah, so you can see it. And it's just on Vimeo also. You can just go to Vimeo and watch it. It's on my website, I think. If you go to signthefilm.com, it'll take you right there. there you and go. You got, like, signthefilm.com. You can watch it right there for free. It's a beautiful film. Fantastic Thanks. job. Like, both to you and Andrew. I am, I am impressed always. 
but I don't know why. You continue to impress me. Like even post, I was like, <laughs> damn. I would say All you're right. my biggest fan, but you're literally my only fan. So thank you. <laughs> no, no, no. But hopefully I'm not sure. for long. Hopefully people hey. will discover me if based solely on my appearances on musicals with cheese. Solely on that. Not even the show Encore, which we're going to talk about next. Oh, I hooray, really, Encore. I really want to chat with you because that started as like a TV special, like to begin with. I remember when that premiered, mm-hmm. like with Kristen Bell, and I was like, oh, I love mm-hmm. Influence. I'm going to watch this. And did you? Oh, yeah, I watched it. Oh, good. Did you like it? It was really good. It was a great <laughs> concept, really, really well executed. <laughs> this was before That's I even all... met you. You've never met me. Uh, you're right. You, you, you Not make person. a fair point. Yeah. One day. One day soon. One day. I'll be there in Michigan. Um, yeah. Encore started as... Well, it wasn't a, a, a special originally. It was a pilot. We shot a pilot um, in California a few years back now. Kristen Bell produced this pilot idea uh, that we were going to try to sell. Well, not we. I'm not a producer on it. I'm a music director on it. But they were going to sell to ABC um, as a series. And uh, ABC didn't pick it up as a series. Instead, they aired it as a special as sort of a one-off special and then sold it off to Disney plus or however that works. I don't know. They're all owned by the same person. So who knows? Um, but yeah, now it is reborn on Disney plus starting November 12th. Um, I think one episode a week is the plan and, um, there'll be 12 new episodes, 12 musicals remounted high school productions starring their original high school casts who are now adult non-professional performers that's basically the gist of it it's a great premise and yeah it's really really entertaining to watch and heartwarming in ways you wouldn't expect like even the trailer i'm like oh i, I can see myself crying into a glass of wine while watching this in a few weeks you will be you will be <laughs> it is it's i think it's a great mix of like very heartwarming you know happy feeling reality television a la extreme home makeover or something like one of those where you do get to really know these people and see their struggles and see them triumph over adversity and that's very beautiful and then the other half of it is laugh out loud funny because you are watching lawyers and bankers and stay-at-home moms do musicals and most of them have not done any since high school and this is years later, sometimes decades and decades later. The oldest one we do is um, from a, uh, we remount a 1975 production. Is it 75 or 65? 75. 75 <laughs> production of Anything Goes. And so they, this cast is now in their 60s. They're in their 60s and for the most part have never performed since 1975. And we shove them back on stage and say, okay, you've got five days. We are putting this show up again. Good luck. But we, of course, hold their hand, you know, as they go through it. We've got a Broadway creative team uh, who comes to every episode. And, um, and we do it. We do the show at the end of a week. And they learn about themselves and they reconnect. And, and it's honestly just beautiful. Um, I got a question, just a technical question. How long did you spend personally filming it? Um, each episode takes six days to film. So I did six episodes in this new series, not counting the pilot. Um, so personally, I guess like 36 days, but 
obviously like on either end of it, there are days of prep. There's a lot of prep that goes into it. We go to these people's schools and we hire a new orchestra in every town we go to. We have to get the shows reorchestrated. Um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of prep that goes into it, but actual shooting days, it's six days. The first day we meet them and audition them and sort of see where they're at in terms of vocal ability and dance ability and acting ability. And then um, the next four and a half days we rehearse. And at the end of the fifth day, uh, sixth day, we, we do the show for their friends and family and whoever else wants to come. So are we expecting that you're going to have a big cameo in The Good Place because now you're best friends with Kristen Bell? <laughs> no, we're not. A, The Good Place, I think, is over. Didn't it end? We're in the final a, season. They've already It's about it. to end. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You can still, you can get some Walker in there. Just squeeze in the Walker. Oh, that would be great, wouldn't it? No, I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. Um, no, sadly. <laughs> no, but I would love, uh, I don't know. She's great. And she, the, the, I mean, the cool, the cool thing for me about Kristen Bell that I didn't really know is just like, how good of a musical theater coach she is. Cause I knew that she had musical theater credits. You know, she made her Broadway debut. I think she was 20 years old, maybe in um, the adventures of Tom Sawyer on Broadway. And uh, obviously I'd seen her like in reefer madness and frozen and stuff like that. So I knew she had the chops, but she, um, in a couple of the episodes actually comes to the schools and works with these people, with these people and, and really like, guides them along and she's like a really great musical theater coach at the end of the day and she's so warm and they respond so well to her and she has such a passion for musicals and for high school musicals in particular that it's just such a great fit and it's a great thing to see mm -hmm. so this november you you're gonna get a double dose of Kristen bell with frozen 2 and with encore and with yeah. your sprinkles that's right. Little walk to sprinkles over six episodes of Encore and not at all in Frozen 2. <laughs> all right, Adam, this is a great interview. It's been my longest oh, interview God. just because I genuinely enjoy talking to you. Oh, thank you. I've enjoyed talking about myself. I mean, is there anything else you want to say or anything you want to cover that we haven't talked about yet? Because now is your moment. Spit it out for the world to hear. No, I can't because I desperately have to pee. All right, we'll wrap this up. Thank you for joining me, Adam, and we'll see you next time on Musicals with Cheese. Thank you. Watch Encore. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E 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 org because only together we rise.